This is Sarah Thibault, host of the SideWoo podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible. From the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical, welcome to the SideWoo. This week, I speak with Gabby Magali, an artist based in San Antonio, Texas, that I met in Mexico City. She has work included in the upcoming Luminaria Contemporary Arts Festival in San Antonio, which opens on November 13th. I thought this would be a great time to release our conversation from August. Among other things, we talk about her artwork, standing up to the patriarchy, strong female role models, RuPaul, and her new teaching job. Why did you, because you had just graduated with your MFA, and then that's when we met in at Casa Lu. So why did you choose Casa Lu, or how did you hear about it? So I got my MFA at the uh, University of Texas at San Antonio, and an alumni there, she, her name was also Sarah, so Sarah Fox. She, I think she graduated a couple years before me, and I followed her on Instagram, and I saw that she had went to Casa Lu. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Where is she going? And then another alumni from UTSA also went. His name is, I'm going blank, Zach. I can't remember the top of my head, but he also went. And I was like, this looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Let me look more into it. And I just because Sarah Fox did it, I was like, I really want to do it. So I applied. And the way I did like Casaluz, the way they did it, because it literally was just work. That you had to submit and what well, the time i don't know what the new application process is yeah an artist statement and work and that's it it was not artist intent any of that stuff, all the any of that extra stuff that a lot of art residencies ask yeah for. and i applied for it obviously this is way before the pandemic started and i like was like oh if i go i graduated in may i can get the re- if i get the residency i'll be in june and then july i'll start applying for jobs and then august i could start i had everything planned out oh sure i did too 2020 was the year of organized planning and yeah Boom. <laughs> yeah march happened and everything just imploded so that's how i found out about Casa was because of sarah cool. fox and she actually just went a cup like back in june she just took the group of a uh, clamp light a san antonio artist down there with her which was really cool oh awesome um, so i got to i got to see their art opening when i was down there back in june at the end of june so that was really fun oh awesome well okay so i wanted to talk about rupaul's drag race it was so, so funny to me because Since I started going to residencies, something drew me to the show. And so I started watching them as my fall asleep, you know, TV or whatever. Not that I fall asleep to RuPaul, never. But, you know, before bed ritual because it's so positive and fun. And then you were binging on RuPaul at the same time. And so I was like, you know, I thought that was kind of funny. So I would love to hear why you like RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) I got into RuPaul because... Who was it? A friend in undergrad mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race, and I was like, what's that? And I was so curious. I only watched, like, an episode or two because it was, at the time, it was really hard to find on streaming sites. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, see it until uh, many years later, I think until grad school, is I would see a little bit, like, here and there on Mm. YouTube, whatever I could find. Like, I think Hulu has up to, like, season six. Totally. And I love season six, because that's Blanca Del Rio season. And I was able, and then Netflix had it. In Mexico, Netflix has all of them. And I yeah. binged the shit out of all of them. And I was like, I've seen, I already knew who won each season, because I followed them and everything sure. like that. So I wasn't like, oh, So you're like I'm a mega fan. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I fell in love with RuPaul's Drag Race because of how creative the drag queens are. 
as in like to literally have given an assignment like and then you have so many hours to execute it and to create something off yeah. the top of your head and with the no, materials you have in front of me you like that's it that, that's you can't go buy anything you can't go do anything you have to create what you have and to me i'm like if you were to throw grad students into the situation how would they act and to me i think it's it's amazing to see how creative drag queens are and what yeah. and how resourceful these people can be because drag is so expensive and definitely how glue things for them to just like all right this is gonna work hairspray and zip tie this do this that to me is like that's artists right there we will figure it out one way or another i think that's the reason why i love drag race so much yeah, well, and I think, too, the challenges, aside from the costuming, they have to totally, like, their brand awareness is so heightened. They have to create products and commercials and wraps, and I'm like, they have to be a triple threat, basically. You have to sing, dance, and act, and then also be able to build your own clothes and, like, you and know, invent and be funny. Exactly. It's... Probably one of the hardest performing jobs out there, I would say. Hell yeah. It's not even a triple threat. You're like... Quadruple. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And like, I... Obviously, I love Trixie and Katya. Okay. Those, and are I those your favorite? Two. Who's your I favorite? Say my three favorites are Bianca Del Rio, Trixie, and Katya are probably my favorite ones. Um, but to, I was listening to an interview that... I think it was Katya that did an interview. Hmm. And she was like, she goes, I don't know how we did it. She goes, we had to learn choreography. We had to do three costume changes. We had to do verses. And I'm just like, I would have a panic attack. Where I would literally out from the stress of learning how to do all that within 24 hours. Well, and with a cocktail. I don't know how they, because they're all drinking, you know, heavily. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know how you retain anything and wake up in the morning and like look good and... Exactly. So I think that's the reason why I absolutely love Drag Race because these these people are literally thrown into yeah. uh, like I guess even an environment that you have to be creative, like, and you have to be funny. You have to be the most memorable one, and like, yeah. I think that's the reason why I'm in love with it. I'm just like, oh, I wish I could be that creative, like on the yeah. spot, or be able to execute something within 24 hours. So. Yeah, and I, I think RuPaul does a really good job of articulating what it is that he and the judges are looking for. And I think that's something that I wish I had known about in graduate school because I think it's true for all artists and creatives. How do you stand out? How do you create a niche market for your and who who is your audience? You know, not that you should be thinking in terms of business always, but I think if you have you're basically solving a problem as an artist or bringing awareness to something. And so, like, how are you going to do that in a way that's memorable and but while maintaining your own authenticity? And for me, I, in grad school, kind of lost track of my own spiritual development. And I feel like he talks about that a lot, really believing in yourself and your path and not getting hung up by external factors. You know, I think, honestly, sometimes he'll choose people as the winner or he'll put people in the bottom just to see if they're going to get shaken. I don't know if you've had that thought, but I, I, I feel like he yeah. fucks with people. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like fuck with their psyche a little bit. Yeah. Like, I cumble them a little bit, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I don't know, the show has gotten a little bit of, I don't know the right, correct word. 
but you could kind of predict when someone's going to win or not and you could kind of tell when they set somebody up a little bit and they yeah. edit the way they edit i know yeah. edit is a huge thing like conspiracy like oh the editing the editing yeah but the the critiques i think or the judging i think is something like for sure i think i agree with you because a lot of artists need to hear that especially michelle she goes in on them a little hard yeah but it's helpful though she's like the mother i i know they call uh mother rue her her to be the mom but i feel like michelle is like they need to call her mom and michelle mom michelle or something there could be two moms you know these girls but she could there could be two moms and i wish (laughs) they michelle is so hard on them and i love her heart the tough love yeah but she means it because she wants to see them grow and she wants them to break out of this. And she's like, like, let's do something different. Let's yeah. do like, let's push it. And I remember a teacher like that in grad school. Yeah. Let's do something different. Let's do something outside of photography. Let's do something yeah. out of what you're comfortable. Go down there. And that helped me because that pushed me to do other stuff. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. I really do believe that everyone should go through that. Yeah. Well, and like, you're not being done any favors if your, you know, hemlines are terrible or whatever and no one tells you, you know, and it's like, she's going to say it to your face at least instead of gossiping behind your back, how bad you looked. So I think that's very admirable. But yeah, in grad school, I switched gears my last semester and like, I had some really harsh critiques at the very end of my third semester. And it was like, we don't like what you're doing basically. And I was mad because I felt like they were focusing on things I wasn't interested in. And I ended up switching gears and having a really successful fourth semester, but it was only because my advisors were giving me the tea. Like your, your work is not good right now. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I unfortunately did see that a lot in grad school when people would get very defensive and very like, no, they felt like they were being attacked, and it was yeah. like, we were not attacking, we're not attacking you, we're attacking, yeah. that sounds really mean too, we're criticizing the artwork, or we're yeah. artwork, we're not critiquing you, and I think that's the hardest part sometimes, that artists don't know how to separate themselves from their artwork sometimes, and that's totally. when they're very defensive and very, felt like they're being personally attacked. Yeah. Um, not but, to, like, quote, uh, uh, what is, oh my god, Laganja. Oh. <laughs> I feel very attacked! <laughs> not to quote her, but... Yeah, I did see that a lot in grad school, how people yeah. did get really attached. And that was very hard for me. The first semester was really hard for me to hear critique again. And it, it, we, they went in. Oh, the boy. upper level ones would go in on you. And I'm like, is this the way grad school going to be? And I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared <laughs> of shitty bricks. But yeah, it did wake me up. After the way they did go in, and I kind of was trying really hard to be like, Okay, I need to listen to them because if I don't listen and if I'm not seeing what they're seeing, I'm not gonna make it through this program and I'm not yeah. going to um, I'm not gonna grow and that's what I want. I came to Grasco to grow. I think that's a good point. Yeah, one thing that Rue always says is he's like once you start seeing yourself from the outside the way others see you, that's when you're really able to cultivate your own image and you have more control of your career. And I feel like it took me a long time to trust my partly why, you know, I didn't listen until the third semester was that I took me a hard time to like trust my advisors enough to see their perspective, understand where they are coming from. And it's not that I didn't think they were great artists or trust them, but it was more like, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I want. I trust my vision. That's why I'm here. And I think I don't just remember having this one conversation and like 
you know, my advisor was like, we really only like those drawings <laughs> that you made. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't know. And so I just felt like, yeah, maybe there is something to just letting go of what I thought I knew and having to start over. Yeah. I know what you mean because I had one teacher. She, I love, I, I love her now. Before when I was in class, I was so intimidated by her. She loved the really weird, quirky, just the weird out of this world stuff. She, even though she uh, got has her painting degree, but she really likes all this weird stuff. So when I started having fun in my artwork and started mm. like making really being awkward in my artwork and just really being just weird. Yeah. Oh my God, she loved it. She's like, this is amazing. Great. Keep going, keep doing that. And I'm just like, I feel very uncomfortable creating this. And she's like, that's amazing. And I was, she goes, keep living in that uncomfortableness. And I was like, okay. And I was so confused. I was like, I love that. Okay, sure. And then a, everyone loves it. Everyone's like, this is great. Keep doing this. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I, I, it was just really hard for me to be uncomfortable. Which body of work was that that you... So I created this weird perfume ad commercial. It's called Senora. And it's just me awkwardly being in front of horses and trying to be seductive. And I'm not a very... It's kind of funny. I don't feel myself very... like I don't see myself as a sexy person, I guess you uh-huh. say. And it's me trying to be seducive and like... It's really awkward and uncomfortable. Me trying to walk in heels on top, like, in on this grass. And, like, it just looks like, like an SNL skit. Yeah. And it's, it's just awkward. And she loved it. She loves how, like, I can't walk in this grass. And, like, I, like, I just look really weird. So, and me being uncomfortable with the horses because I was really scared of the horses. So, it, it's me essentially just trying to play, have fun, make fun of the supermodels. But at the same time, the fact yeah. that I never saw... Um, anyone that looked like me with long dark hair and brown skin doing these commercials is always mm. the French models and mm-hmm. their skinny and all this stuff. So it was essentially me just make, poking fun of it, but trying to be seducive at the same time. Which... Yeah. No, I love that. I don't know how much later your Saint series is, maybe like a year or something, but... My Saint series was the first series I created in grad school. The perfume ad was actually the last semester of grad school. Oh, really? But your Saint series was so sensual. And, like, that is very much putting yourself out there. If I had to shoot that series, like... I think the reason why was because I was in front of a video camera. Got That's it. That makes a huge difference. I wasn't taking the video. Somebody else was doing mm. it, and I felt so uncomfortable. My friend, it was my friend Jessica... Uh, another, she's a great uh, friend that I met in grad school. She's very, I'm comfortable with her, but I just felt very uncomfortable trying to play to the camera. Oh uh, yeah. But my Saint series, I did it by myself in my studio. And, and you have more control. The clicker. So I was able to be seductive and by myself and being very comfortable in that, in that area <laughs> versus being outside in the summer heat. Right. That was disgusting. And oh my I was God. just uncomfortable the whole time. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, that's interesting. So, was that part? That was part of your MFA show, then the perfume mm-hmm. ad. Yeah, that was part of my MFA show. And then, could you talk a little bit? Because I remember when you did your presentation at Casa Lu that you had five rooms filled with artwork, and so I'm wondering if you could talk about the process for making all that work and how you visualized it, and then how much time it took, and just how you stuck through it because that was a lot of work. <laughs> I didn't realize how much it was going to be until I was doing it. I was like, "Oh shit, this is a lot." In my head, I okay, so. I wanted to show at this really great gallery here in San Antonio, Texas called Barasa House, 
It's run by Vigo and Chanel. They run this great space, and I really, really love it. So I essentially, they were the first show, the first gallery that I showed in San Antonio. It was one small piece that I did with them, and then I just kept going, and I just fell in love with the space because it's actually just a house that they just remade into a gallery space. And I asked them about a year before thesis, which was, well, I asked them in 2019. And I asked a year, obviously, because galleries do everything a year in advance. Like, hey, I really want to show in your space. Can I have Can I have a month? And he's like, yeah, you can have the month of, uh, of April. I was like, that's great. I'll take my April 2020. Uh, mind you, that's when uh, shit hit the fan. So, and I wanted that space and that house and that environment because the fact that I wanted to work with... My thesis work, essentially, it was kind of like a love letter to my younger self or a reminder to my younger self and how to disconnect myself or how to heal from my childhood trauma that I didn't realize it was childhood trauma until I really started to grow up and really accept the fact that, oh, I was raised in a very toxic um, environment, which I did. I thought it was very normal, unfortunately. So I grew up with a very machismo dad, but unfortunately, he's uh, an alcoholic, and that was really hard for me to understand as a kid because I thought it was a normal childhood and then essentially a lot of my work just challenges the fact that I am now I really in a in a fucked up positive way I came out as an independent strong woman out of this machismo household like I Mm. don't depend on a man I don't depend on anything like that and not as in like how can I say this I'm not saying that you don't need your partner to succeed. It's like, yes, you still need a partner if you want one. And I'm not saying it's not like a negative light, but my mom, it's so weird because I was like, I had my dad telling me, you need to learn how to cook and clean for your husband. You're going to be a mom at this age. You're going to be married at this age, all this stuff. My dad was already telling me all this stuff. Yeah. My mom, on the other hand, was like, no, my daughter's not going to cook and clean. She's going to, she needs to go do her homework. She needs to get her education. She like, my mom was total opposite. So I had this weird push and pull Mm. dynamic in the household. So I was playing off of that, the fact that my mom told me a man can never take away your education. He can never take away your diploma. You need to earn your own money. He can never take away your money. That was my mom. So it yeah. was really, really weird to hear those two yeah. opposite worlds. And that's what I wanted the artwork to be about was the fact that my mom was such a strong lady, but my dad was such a negative impact in my life. But by me not depending on my dad, it taught me not to, to depend on a man. Yeah. That sounds really weird. No, I get what you're saying. No, I think that's really beautiful, actually. It's like, yeah, keep, keep going, though. <laughs> but that's essentially what happened, and I wanted, the, I wanted a house. I didn't want the traditional four white walls, and I felt like that wouldn't have added to the thesis show. I felt like that would have really made it stagnant or really sterile. It would have felt more like a thesis show. It wouldn't have felt like a home environment that you feel comfortable in. So I asked, uh, I asked them, and they said, yeah, for sure. So I created a living room, a living room installation space. I created a bedroom space, and then I created a showroom space and another room. And in the be- and in the there was a hallway, and I put stuff up in the hallway. So the living room essentially is if you walk right when you walk in, the TV turns on and the voicemail turns on. There's a voicemail machine next to the, uh, the couch, and it turns on, and you can hear these voicemails and their voicemail recordings of me trying to send these voicemails to my dad and trying to tell him, hey, this is how you made me feel all these years, and oh, like wow. you made me feel like shit. You told me I was worthless. You told me I was never going to mount to anything. And all these really things that I still, unfortunately, still hear in my head because of him. Yeah. But 
they keep getting cut off at the 60 minute, the 60 second mark. They keep getting cut off. And it's just me trying to attempt to mm. call him. And then at the very end, the voicemail says, uh, how does she say it? She goes, none of these voicemails went through either you dialed wrong or the connection wasn't strong enough. Goodbye. And it just hangs up. Oh, wow. And so I know if I ever were to show him this video, um, he wouldn't, he would hear it, but he wouldn't emotionally understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. So that's essentially that whole energy in that room and it's um, the traditional 60s 70s floral print couch with a plastic cover i don't know if you ever saw that plastic covers for the couches yeah um, we didn't have that but yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> uh, we had that i remember that at my grandma's house and then like there's the curtains there's messages on the curtains essentially just finally letting go to all this negativity and learning how to grow and heal and the bedroom that is a space that i created because and my quinceanera, and my 15th birthday, I guess you could say, that's the passage of womanhood in the Latinx uh, community, essentially. A girl has to promise her virginity to the Virgin Mary. Oh, well, in my culture, in, in Mexican-American culture, we promise our virginity to the Virgin Mary that we will stay virgins until we're married, essentially. It's really weird. I don't know why, but I made that promise at 15, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to stay a virgin until I'm married. That didn't happen. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. So that didn't quite happen. And it's really weird. I now have a really weird uh, relationship with marriage. I don't, mm. I just believe marriage is a piece of paper for taxes. Yeah. I'm not trying to shit on anybody that's married. I'm just like, that's the way I kind of see it. Yeah. That sounds really messed up. But it's so anywho, it's, I got I mean, an actual quinceanera dress yeah. that I wore in my quinceanera and I embroidered on it and I wrote a new promise to myself and a promise to my sexuality and a promise to my body that I can do whatever I would like to do with my body and and still respect myself and then I can have sex and not feel guilty about it and stuff. So that room is essentially a room about my new promise to myself and not a promise of the Virgin of Guadalupe, uh, which I still yeah. have bad respect for. She's a saint that I still pray to. Oh, okay. I still pray to my uh, every day essentially, but yeah, that was the whole gist of my thesis show. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I have so many questions. So the first one would be, was it normal for students to go and find their own venues for their show? Or was that an outlier in your program? Um, so our program has had, well, had, unfortunately, it closed down because of COVID. They already had a space in Blue Star Community. If you guys are ever in San Antonio, go to the Blue Star Complex. It's a really great art area in San Antonio. But they, we used to have a space called Terminal uh, 136. And that's where all the grad students would show their work because it was downtown and you would get more eyes or more viewers would go downtown versus on campus. But there were seven of us or six of us graduating that semester, and we had to pair up if we did not find a space out. Oh, wow. Well. I wanted a space no. solo. I don't want to <laughs> Totally. <share. laughs> yeah. I selfish, but I wanted my own space. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, outsourced to uh, Press a House. Yeah. And another another uh, grad student of mine, a friend of mine, also outsourced, and he got the month of May, and I got April. Oh, nice. So, and everybody was... <laughs> Kind of, not, well, with COVID, unfortunately, after March, everything was shut down. And in Terminal 136, my grad friends were not allowed to have their shows. So. Oh, wow. Did they um, end up having it later? Or? Yeah, they actually just had it a month ago. Oh, okay. So, well, that, two of them that's finally were cool. able to make, make it up a month ago. So it's like, oh, it's just, everything just sucks. Like, it just sucks that, oh, yeah, but... Can't com- I'm not going to complain because we still have our health, you know, and we have Absolutely. a lot of stuff. So. 
Okay, so my other question or my second question for your piece, like, because I assume your family attended your MFA show. No, because I was literally at the peak of um, the peak. That's when everything was shut down. My opening was that first uh, Friday of that first Friday of April. Yeah, everything was shut down. Nobody was allowed out. My family didn't get to see it. The only way they were able to see it was like I like FaceTimed them and walked around and showed them a little bit. Yeah, but they didn't really understand it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like you know, for me you know, sharing all that personal and sexual content with my family would be a really awkward experience. You know, I mean, I've written really graphic short stories and stuff that I've shared with strangers, but somehow it's sharing with your dad or your, you know, aunt and uncle is more uncomfortable. So I was curious how they reacted to some of that. So it's funny, my dad, I don't talk to my dad. I will occasionally say, not even, I don't even talk to him and say hi. He, I, will try to say hi to me. I'm like, hi, that awkward hi, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But my mom and my sister and my brother, they understand it. They get it, but then they don't get it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. my sister understands it more than my mom and my, my brother because I talk to her more about it, and we connect, and we have a more close relationship. Mm-hmm. My mom, on the other hand, I try telling her what my work is about, and she is a little defensive about it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't... Uh, I don't, she just doesn't like to talk about a lot of our um, childhood problems. And unfortunately, that have now trickled into our adult lives. She doesn't like to talk about it. She was like, we'll brush it under the, the rug. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And I'm just like, we can't continue doing that. We have to grow. We have to heal from what's going on currently. And it's kind of hard for understanding. She saw the video of my, the voicemails that I, that I created for my dad. She saw it on my Instagram and she did not like it. She thought I was airing out our business out to the world. And I was like, mom, that's not what I'm doing. If you listen to it, you understand that it's how I felt as a kid. It's nothing to do. I'm not trying to bash my dad. I'm just like, this is how I felt. And this is, I'm trying to learn how to heal. And this is what I'm trying to do it. And she just was like, okay. She kind of brushed it off. Mm. And that kind of hurt a little bit. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, you're not getting it just like he isn't getting it and it kind of hurt but my mom I know at the end of the day my mom will always support me and always love me for what I create even though it will upset her yeah but I'm sure she really admires your bravery like sorry oh no well I was just gonna say like I'm sure she admires your bravery and putting yourself out there and but yeah even if it makes her uncomfortable (laughs) sorry I don't mean to turn this into a therapy (laughs) session no no for my mom uh, like she does what you said she does admire my bravery and stuff like that because she unfortunately didn't she didn't get to have that growing up she didn't get to experience or get to show that kind of bravery obviously in the Mexican-American culture I'm first generation my mom didn't have that she was very like unfortunately my mom the only way she was allowed to leave the house was unless she got married yeah and that was at 18. And my mom, that's all my mom wanted to do. She wanted to leave the house. Wow. She was unfortunately forced into a marriage that she didn't even want to be in. She just wanted yeah. to leave. So she was like, fuck it, I'm going to get married. So she got married to my dad at 18, and that's not what she wanted. And there's a picture of her that I will remember very vividly. She looks miserable because her mom and her dad are not there. And she said that is one of the worst days of her life was her marriage. She told me that. And that's when wow. I was like, 
that's what scares me about marriage too. Is yeah. That I don't have really good relations with marriage and stuff. I've never had a good example of marriages. So that's why I'm very against it. But my, but that's why I create my artwork that I create is because I want my mom and my grandma sacrificed so much for me to finally experience bravery, to finally experience freedom because they weren't allowed to express it because they were women. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I love that. And you have a really supportive partner. It sounds like, so it's not like you're anti-men. Let's just be clear. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not. I love men. I, I, I love my boyfriend. I love him to death. I'm not anti-men. I'm anti-machismo. I actually yeah. hate machismo men. That, that culture, that, the, the thought process, I just hate that. Yeah. But I love my boyfriend to death. He honestly is a huge supporter of mine. He saw something in my work that I was like, I don't know how you saw like any of that. He's like, you're very creative. He, he really, he literally believed in me before I believed in myself. Wow. That's beautiful. For his support and his constant, just being on me like, Hey, you're, you've got this, keep going, keep going. I wouldn't be where I'm at without his help. So I can't, I can't say that I hate men because I don't. There's a lot of great men out there. There's a lot of great men that have honestly supported me too. My uncles and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Having a partner who can lift you up and support your artwork. That's so huge. Mm -hmm, For sure. Oh my God. I don't know where I'd be without him. How did you guys meet? I don't like saying this word, but we're high school sweethearts. Oh, that's right. Oh my God. I forgot that. That is so cute. Oh Um, my God. I don't know. There's something really, for me, I don't know. It's really cringy. High school sweethearts. But yeah, we met in high school. Um, and you're going to be like, oh my God, he's actually my first boyfriend and I'm his first girlfriend. Oh. So here <laughs> we're virgins. So. Well, in some ways you kind of kept your vow, even though you didn't wait till marriage. You, you know, the idea is that you're only with the person that you're supposed to be with. Like, I never thought which of it like that. Is They're, maybe, wow, I, maybe that ruins it I, for you. I don't know. <laughs> I never thought of it like that, but you actually do bring up a good point. We've been together since high school. We didn't obviously plan, like, in high school, high school relationships are just high school relationships. You don't plan for anything. And then we both got into the same college. It's like, well, let's go to St. Houston together. That's where we went to undergrad. Like we went, we lived together, and they're like, okay. And we just kept the ball rolling. And then we really, like, he was a very creative person. He yeah. went to school for mass communications. He loves to do video. He loves oh, to cool. uh, edit and stuff like that. He's a Twitch streamer. And he's oh, just a very right. creative person himself. So that is the reason why I think relationship has worked so well because we're both creative. In two different worlds, we're creative, but we're just creative people all around. So I'm able to bounce ideas off of him and vice versa. And he's told me point blank when I get throw ideas, he's like, that idea sucks. Like he's really blunt oh and very honest. And I'm like, oh, why? And he, he'll tell me why. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. That's not quite working. You know, when I show him something, I'm like, "Hey, look at this," and he was like, "Uh," he'll he'll tell me why he doesn't like it, and that's what I need. I need someone to tell me why is it not good, and I know it hurts, but it helps. You need the M- Michelle massage in your life. He's the Michelle massage <laughs> in my life. Yes, exactly. He's yeah, he's really blunt with me. He's like, oh, "That's not working." I'm that's like, really good. I love that. Yeah. I think we could all benefit from that voice from someone we trust, you know, as someone to shoot down, you know, your less than best effort. Totally. You don't need yes people around. You're like, oh yeah, that looks great. That looks awesome. Totally. It's shit and you throw it out of the world and they're like. People aren't interested and you're like, wow, I just wasted my life. (laughs) Exactly. So. 
I love the series that you did with the two of you where you're laying on him and I think it speaks to the support that he offers you metaphorically and in the mm-hmm. photos you're very intimate. For sure. That series started because we had our very first argument, real, real argument. Yeah, you're in high school and you have those little arguments or not really arguments. But we had just moved out we had just moved out to Huntsville, Texas, and we had a really unfortunate that argument I still remember very vividly. And I was crying, he was mad, and I was just really upset about the whole argument. And then he was laying down and then I was like, I wanna take a picture and he's like why do you want to take a picture right now? Like, he was like, why? And I'm like, because I want to capture this moment because this is our first real argument. And he's just like, all right, fine. And he was very, like, didn't want to do it uh-huh. since I wanted to do it. He still wanted to support me. He was like, fine, do it. <laughs> but I set the camera up, and it's just me on his chest, and it's me crying. Or not, I had just finished crying, and my eyes were red and puffy. And I took that photo, and I didn't think nothing of it. And then that was in 2015. And then I never photographed ever again of us together because we don't we don't take selfies. We're not a very public. I don't. You can literally go through my phone and you will not find a single selfie of me or him on my phone. We just don't take pictures together. And then just recently, I was like, let's take another picture. It's been a while since we. I want to not recreate it, but essentially just now that we're in a better position and we're much more happier in our lives. And now that we understand where we're at as adults. Not as 19-year-olds or 20-year-olds. We're much, yeah. uh, we're, 27, we're 26, 27 now. And I was like, let's do it. And I had him lay his, uh, his um, him on my stomach or my chest area. And that's how I came up with that photo and stuff like that. So I wanted to continue the series of photographing us together in very private, intimate moments that we're having. Yeah. Um, let's not exploit them, mm-hmm. but just capture them because... We don't have photos of ourselves. These are the only ones of photos that we really have. Yeah, they're really beautiful, and they're, they look so natural, you know? I mean, they're, they're not made up. You know, you're not made up yourself, and just I love how natural and comfortable you look. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Capturing that vulnerability can be something really hard, and that's when, what I wanted to do. It's easy Capturing. for that to look canned, you know, because you're like, let's pretend like we're not posing, you know, but I think you did a really good job. Thank you. Yeah. So what are you doing now? Because I know when we were in Casa you were applying for jobs and teaching roles and you got one recently. Yes. I remember when you did a reading on me. I remember that. And I don't know. I'm really bad at remembering the card. You taught me a little bit about it, but I remember when you pulled the card that you said, there's an opportunity coming up. And within a month later, I got a job oh. call back from Danette College. It's the college I'm working at right now. Oh, great. Um, and I remember when you told me that. And when I got the call, I remember that moment. I was like, See, Sarah told me I was going to get this opportunity. I was so <laughs> happy. I was like, yes, that card was right. Awesome. That I makes me happy. That. But... I was very, very fortunate to find a job during this, because I graduated into this lovely pandemic. I graduated May 2020. I went to Casalu in June. In July, I applied my ass off to everything that I saw. I think yeah. I applied to 50 or 60 jobs, oh and I God. only got called back to two of them. Wow. One was an interview, and then I did. I made it to the second round, and then I never got called back. Yeah. And this, the second one was in a college is the one I'm working at right now. Wow. And I uh, I was for, I was fortunate enough to get the full-time position as the photography instructor. 
And I'm right now working online. And unfortunately, with obviously with COVID, we're just working online at the moment. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have this opportunity because I know a lot of my, some of my grad friends weren't able to find jobs right, yeah. out, right away. So I really love the school. It's really great. It's very different. Uh, Jeanette College is that in, is in, is located in Saline, Arizona, in the Navajo Nation. Oh, it's cool. kind of like in the four corners of the oh, states, like cool. about two hours away. It's interesting because all my students are indigenous. They have taught me so much of their culture, and I feel very. I don't want to, I don't guess ignorant. I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but I feel really closed off that I don't know why I never learned any of this stuff. And I know myself, I'm indigenous um, from Mexico, but I don't know how much I am. And unfortunately, I've lost that part of my indigenous culture. I don't mm. know. So learning everything through them, I'm just like, it, make, it makes me happy to see that they were still very, very much connected to that side of their stuff. And I yeah. love to see the, the work they bring in what they create and they teach me so much of their symbolism and everything that and it's so different from seeing my students when I used to teach at UTSA as a grad as a grad student to see the western world and to see their world it's so different and it's so beautiful to see what they what they create and I love it so I'm really loving this this job opportunity with them and I'm learning a lot so not to switch gears completely, but I know, so every podcast I do a quiz with the person who I'm speaking with and they're kind of random, but connected to the, the conversation. And so I found this quiz that's, which saint are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> because of your saint series. So I thought you have a crazy knowledge of saints, I assume. You know what's funny is that I, even though I went to Catholic school or not, not Catholic school, I went to do my first communion and my confirmation. I actually learned more about saints when I was doing research about it in art school. Oh wow, yeah. So I oh absolutely, I that's all my yeah. religious knowledge is from art school. Yeah. Yeah, all my religious knowledge is from art school, and yeah, my confirmation. I just classes. I just blocked it all out. I was like, Got no, it. I don't believe. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that with the Bible. It. I was the word. I was the one my teacher hated in, in confirmation <laughs> school. You um, were the cool, cool girl. You were smoking in the back of class. Like, yeah, I don't need like, this. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was all off here stuff and like, yeah. I was Wait, like, really? Kid during that time. Wait, you you attend a piercing? I had my ears gauged. Oh. Yeah, I still have a little scar on my lip. Okay. My ears gauged. I have. I still have a lot of piercings on my ear. I have my belly button pierced. I was a little scene kid in confirmation school, so you could imagine. Oh my god! All this, my hair dyed. Wow. Dark clothes. So. So yeah, your parents like, had a little heads up that you were going to be rebellious. <laughs> yeah. So he. Yeah. So uh, he. The guy didn't like me. I always got into arguments with him, but. Okay. Wait, about what? Huh? Wait, what did you get into arguments about? Sorry. Like, one time... Okay, so one of the arguments I remember really is that he didn't agree with gay people. He's like, they're an abomination, and, like, they're sinners, they're going to hell, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, they're not. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, God loves everybody, doesn't he? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, then why would God send uh, queer people to hell? I thought he loved everybody. And, like, yeah. and he's just like... He did not like that I said that, and he was like, what are you... He's like, it says it right here, and I was like, where? Tell me where does it say that in the Bible? I questioned him, and he hated that I was confrontational. And there was another time he was talking about how our body is our temple and that we shouldn't mark it, that we shouldn't do nothing bad with it. And he looked right at me because I had my lip piercing. He's like, yeah, we shouldn't 
we shouldn't mark our bodies. And he gave me this really oh. aggressive look. And I was like, she has her ears pierced. He has his ears pierced. Why aren't you looking at them? And then he was like. You said that out loud? Yes. Oh. I said that. I mean, and I was like. <laughs> What's the difference between me having my lip pierced and them having their ears pierced? Yeah, totally. And he was just like, yeah, I always got arguments and yeah, I was the the confrontational one in uh, in the confirmation class. Like, so he had to wow. have a talk with my mom and my mom. He was like, why why are you arguing with the with the why are you arguing with the teacher? And I was like, I was like, he said that gay people are going to hell. And he goes, oh, I was like, that's not right. God loves everybody. I was like, okay. thank you. And she's like continue arguing with him. Like my mom was a hundred percent agreeing with me. She goes, argue with him then. Your mom is so cool. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's like, no, gay people are not going to hell. Like my mom said that out loud. She's like, no, they're not. So I was like, okay. You're like, she's like, carry on. Keep yeah, up, carry keep on. up the good work. Arguing. That's just, yeah, that was the weird thing about my mom. She goes, always defend yourself. That was another thing. So, oh, okay. Was she always... very outspoken? Yes. My mom is very outspoken. So that's, that's the weird thing about it. My mom was very outspoken. Anytime my mom and my dad got in arguments, my mom always, always, like, not that she had to have the last word, but she always had to make her point. And, like, my mom is very sweet and kind, and, oh, my God, my mom is very loving. But if you make her mad, you will, like, get the wrath of my I We did not want to get in my mom's way. Like, we didn't care about making my dad mad because we weren't really scared of him. Which is really funny. It's usually, the dad you're scared of. It was my mom we were scared of because my mom would be like, I have so many stories of this woman. Like my mom didn't. Also hates machismo. My mom is very against them. My mom has always been like, it's really weird because she's married to one. I don't know. It's really weird. But she never lets men um, walk over her. Has never let men either. If it's a boss, if it's a random guy in the street, she's never let guys talk over her or like walk over her. It's that's what she taught us. I remember one, one story or one memory very vividly was that we had a neighbor, very machismo, like a fucking asshole. I hate this guy. He finally went to jail, but... Oh, um, so really bad guy. He went to jail. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Sorry, I'm yeah. kind of like going off. Oh, yeah. Then my dad was over there. They were drinking. And my mom goes, all right, Alex, we got to go home. And then, and then I was like, all right, all right, bye, you guys. And then the guy goes, you're going to tell your woman, I mean, you're going to let your woman tell you what to do. You could stay here anytime you want. And my mom, my mom's like, Alex, we're going home. And like, she didn't let him like, and then my dad's like, all right, you guys, I got to go, you know? And then the guy was like, I can't believe you let your woman do what it talked to you. All this stuff. And my mom was like. Oh, this is happening all in Spanish, obviously. And okay. I was like, you need to shut the fuck up. This is my husband, and I'm going to talk to him the way I want to talk. Like, it was just, it was bad. And then the guy pulls a gun out. <gasps> and then my mom was like, what are you going to do with it? You can't kill me. You're not going to shoot me. And my mom, like, oh, oh, my God. grabbing my mom. He's like, like peeing. We, we need to go now. And pulling my mom, and mom was like, no, he's not going to pull a gun out on me. I don't know who he thinks he is. And I was like, mom, we need to go now. <laughs> It wow, was, that is spicy. My mom was, oh. that was my mom, though. My mom did not let men talk to her like I that. I love that. So, yeah. That was just my mom. That was, like, sorry. I just, like, went all the way to the No, way. I love that so much. That's my mom. That, that says a lot about your personality, though, because I was like, where did you come from? You just are so confident, and you take on people just through your art and, you know, the stories you've told me about, yeah, Catholic school and everything or confirmation. I was like, how does one have that much 
confidence at that age to take people on like that. And I'm like, Oh, there we go. Your mom, <laughs> That was she gave mom. you a model. I guess I just never realized it was confidence. It was just like, that's what I saw. I just saw my mom being a strong woman taking on men. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to question everything. And I'm going to question authority. That was just my mom. And I never realized it was confidence until I got older. I was like, Oh shit. I have a little bit of confidence it's in me. But yeah. I like it's. It's also just me. training. That's why I have yeah. Some confidence towards against my dad. I can now confront him without feeling scared and not um, feeling intimidated and feeling small. So, yeah, that's where I get it from. My mom is a very strong woman. Do you have any other projects that you'd like to talk about that you're working on or anything coming up? I right now just I just right now went to Mexico to San Luis Potosí. That's where my dad's side of the family's from. Oh, cool! And I spent a week with my my abuelita or my grandma. I spent a, t- a week with her, and I photographed her for a week. Which oh, was, wow! Honestly, it was a little bit sad because I didn't realize how much older she has gotten. Because like you know how you see your you just see your grandparents, and then one day yeah. I don't know one day to the next it just hit me, and I'm like, she is so much older than what I remember now. Yeah. So. And last time I went to San Luis was 14 years ago. And oh, wow. we used to go every summer when I was a kid. And I just, we stopped going. I don't know why. I can't remember why. I think because it just got expensive to take three kids to, to another country every time. So, so I went you- by myself for the very first time to San Luis. And it was just me and her. And she would, she told me so many stories. And unfortunately, they were all just very sad stories and what she dealt with with my grandpa. Essentially, he was just, just a just a piece of crap. I mean, there's nothing, I, there's nothing respectful I could say about him, honestly. He left my my grandma with four kids for another woman, and she didn't have a job, she didn't have a source of income, nothing, he just left her. Wow. So she told me a lot about that, and it kind of shocked me because I didn't realize how tough it was for her to raise four kids like that. And I don't know, I guess I, that's where I also get a lot of my, my strength from, yeah. her, how she was able to pull through with four kids, like at the age of eight. 30 and I'm like how I'm 27 and I couldn't even imagine myself with that many kids just, just no source of income nothing yeah that's it so I photographed her just her doing it throughout her day her doing laundry her cooking her in her bed just her in her her environment yeah. and I did a lot of self-portraits with her at first she didn't understand why I was photographing us she was like why are you photographing me I don't get it I'm not She's like, my nails aren't even done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any makeup on. I didn't brush my hair. And I'm like, Grandma, I was like, that's not the point. I want to photograph us in this moment and in this environment because our your great-grandkids are not going to – they don't have a lot of photos of you because now they're not – a lot of her – all her great-grandkids are here in America. Yeah. She goes, they don't see – they're not going to see any of this. They don't know this environment. They're mm. probably never going to visit because – they're much because of the pandemic i want to photograph this and i want to capture these moments because i want our family to know how much you had to sacrifice in order for us to be happy because you're the reason why these generations are now where they're at now yeah everything you you sacrifice for and she just kind of it's kind of like dawned on her and she was like i guess she's never felt appreciated in that way and when i told her that it kind of hit her and she's like you're right I'm the reason why all these kids are over there. Like, it kind of, like, hit her. She's like, I'm pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So, I photo... That's the last... uh, That's really beautiful. Photographing her and stuff. So, that's the last thing, yeah, essentially. 
Wow, that's really cool. Well, thank you so much. This was really wonderful. I had such a great time talking to you and hearing what you've been up to. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for inviting me. Thank you. I'm really happy to have caught up with you. You're, you're an amazing artist. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to that episode of The Side Woo. Um, I really loved hearing about Gabby's experience in Catholic school and just hearing her talk more about her work. I think it's super interesting. If you want to look up the show that she has coming up um, on the 13th of November, as well as any of her images, which I think you should definitely check out. Um, I will put notes in the show notes area. Um, and you can follow along on my Instagram for Nina Arnett, and that will also be in the show notes. Um, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Do all the things. Um, and as you may have noticed, I did not include this, the Saints quiz that I had started talking about. Um, I ended up cutting that for length, but I will be doing a hot take where we just go through and guess what saints we're going to be and um yeah it, it may surprise you anyway thanks so much for listening and see you next time bye